0: again this morning about bye-bye debt and hello abundance. I know it's been a little bit since we've been there. We've had a bunch of stuff going on, but basically it was a month and a little bit less than a week ago where we took everybody, said, hey I want this debt erased. And so we said, Lord in Jesus name, erase this debt, right? Since that period of time, we took all that debt, we put it on a sheet, we shredded that sucker, and then we asked, how's it feel to be out of debt? Does that feel good, Amy? Because we received that, but now we also ask for increase. So since that month has gone, a month and a little bit less than a week, there has been, in the lives of people, over $80,000 has been erased in that month. Now... There's another person sent me something this week that we were agreeing with them. I don't know what the figure is, but they said, we just paid off our land, you know, and uh, they don't, they don't, they're from out of town, but they said, we just paid off our land. So I don't know the total, but then there's also been over $26,000 dollars. That's come in just in people receiving stuff that they might have been expecting, might not. But since that month, that is what's happened in increase and debt being completely erased. God, you know, in Acts it says this, that God will work with his word. And so when we preach about the things of God, God backs that up and he starts working in your lives and bringing that stuff about. And so today we're continuing with Bye Bye Debt and Hello Abundance. And if you haven't, you know, if you're just now catching up to this, you can go back on boomerangchurch.org slash video, and you can watch part one, two, three, four, and five and catch up. Basically, where we're at is, look, uh, uh, debt, bad. <laughs> Increase, good. That, I mean, that's basically where we're at. A little bit more than that, but, but debt is a bondage. The Lord doesn't like you being in bondages, and He wants you to be free. But how is that going to happen? He's going to bring increase. Now, the increase is not just to make your life plush. Ooh, look at me. I'm living a plush life, right? It's not just for that. It's to bring, uh, we said that that is to do several things in our life, but one, God really loves you. He really loves you, and He wants to increase you. But he also loves the people around you and he wants to overflow into their lives. You heard that we are, you know, we're being a blessing this week to a couple of different uh, families and stuff. Well, if you didn't have increase, how would we be able to do that? See, that's what we're supposed to be walking in so that when somebody says, hey, you know, even if it's something simple like the hockey game, you know, hey, I'd really like to go, but just I just got hit with some stuff. That's what family is for and that's why we want to be the kind of people that we're not going, oh, you need some? Well, let's get to praying. No, we want to have already prayed and be walking in that increase because we see that it's God's word. You see in uh, Luke 2.52, it said this, it said that Jesus, are we there, are we or are we not supposed to be like Jesus? Yes, yes. yes. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus continued to increase, to increase in wisdom and stature, which means maturity, wisdom and maturity and favor with God and man. He continued to increase. God's way is increased. Now, here's the thing. God does not want stuff to have you. He doesn't mind you having stuff, but He doesn't want stuff to have you. So He wants to be in, to bring increase in a healthy way. Now, just because God wants increase, does that mean that we walk in it? No. No. No, there's a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of Christians, a whole bunch of people that go into to church all their life. They're not walking in the increase of God. One, they might not know about it. Two, they might think that they're supposed to be poor. That's been preached for years and years and years. But I'm not just talking about financially. There's all kinds of increase. There's increase in health. There's increase in mental ability, social ability. There's increase. Well, Jesus continued to increase with wisdom and maturity and favor with God and man. Now, why would he need favor with man? Why would he need that? Doesn't favor with man represent some tangible things? In other words, it puts me in a good place in the heart of another man, in the heart of another human. Well, that is a physical blessing. And God says that he continued. He didn't just increase once. He continued to increase. Amen? And so we need to understand that God is a God of increase, but we need to go about that and learn it and know that in the right way. Amen? Man, I meant to look at here. These reserve seats, these are from last week. Anybody want a front row seat? I won't spit too much, I promise. I'll be, You just move on up there. I don't know why those are still there. Anyway, there's, I meant to do that as soon as I got up here. If you want to move up, I like, amen. That's my kind of person right there. Amen. Like, put me right there. I want to be like this, listening to the word. I don't want nothing distracting me. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Anybody else? I'm just saying. It might be more blessing than those chairs. I'm just saying. I'm not, you know. But anyway, I don't want to. don't want you to lack or anything, you know. But it's up to you. It's cool. no condemnation (laughs) it's no but that's I like it. I'm I'm a front row kind of guy I like I don't like anything distracting me from that word because that word can set you free and I like that I like that and we'll see if anybody has guts to move after after this all right so let's turn to John chapter 3 and verse 16 John three sixteen. Y'all ever heard of this verse before? I wanna, I want you to go with me on a journey today. I want to just take you with me, and basically what we're gonna do is we're just gonna see some steps that God has put in the Word. Some steps. You can go if you go uh, got a smartphone or a tablet. You can go, or you're watching online, uh, which we welcome you. Hey, welcome online. You can go to boomerangchurch.org/notes and you can see all these notes laid out in more detail than you even have on your handout, and you can follow. You can also go back and just check them and use those to study and go over. Hey online, hey. And uh, I want you to go with me on a journey. What the Bible lays out is just some steps. We've been talking about bye bye debt and hello abundance. We've been talking about why it's important. Abundance is very important to advancing the kingdom of God. It's very important to loving on God. But one of the things that I want you to see today is your abundance, amen. 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 Your abundance advances the kingdom of God. If you're living in a place where you're like, I don't need abundance, then you don't understand how the kingdom works. And if you remember the last time we had the message in this series, I told you that there are two different systems, and if you're operating in the world system, you're not going to be able to operate in God's system. And if you're operating in God's system, you can't have a foot in both. If you've got a foot in both and you're trying to do both systems, you are in the world system. It's all in in God's system or not. It's hot or cold. Lukewarm, that ain't no good. Lukewarm, bad. Okay, Hot, good. Cold, not so good. Lukewarm, real bad, all right? So get in God's system. You've got to understand that being in God's system is very important and we need to understand that abundance is a part of his system. It's not just a good idea. It is a part of his system. It's a part of God. Did you know that God is an abundant and excessive God? He is. You remember when he filled up the nets? And so much that they started to break. And why did he do that? Didn't he know how many many fish those nets would hold? You know, I remember Keith Moore talking about, do you know all the different colors that there are in the world? You know, God could have just made like gray and dark gray, right? But he made all the different colors. You know how many fish, you know, there are how many different kinds of fish? He could have just made one. I mean, I imagine he could figure out how to make the ecosystem work with just one, right? He, could, he, he said, do you know the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of tons of bananas that fall to the jungle floor and go to waste every year? God's an ex- Well, doesn't God know how much will be wasted? <laughs> you see, that's the way the world has taught us to think. And we've turned being a good steward into being a tightwad. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. i let that sit. Everybody's like, did he just say that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> he, we've turned being a good steward into not being a giver. That's right. okay. Into not being generous. We've, been, we've turned a good steward into, well, I better not give this away. I don't know if I'll get anything back from God in time, so I'll just hold on. I'm being wise. I'm being a good steward. God's an abundant God. He's an excessive God. He likes overflowing. Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. My cup is just half full. No, my cup is just filled to the brim. My cup runs over. He doesn't just feed me in the presence of my enemies. He sets a feast in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table before me. That's a feast. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about like a king's table. That's who he is. He doesn't just do things a little bit of the way. He does them all the way and overboard. He's an excessive God. You see it over and over and over and over. But I want to show you something. Even with the fish, you remember the first time they pulled up the the net, the nets broke. The next time they pulled them up, same thing happened, same overflow. But the nets didn't break that time. He's always teaching us how to increase and move forward and not bring any toil or sorrow to it. He brings us the wealth that he wants us to have in every area, but he shows us how to not have sorrow with it. Have you ever made some money or done well in something, but then there was some sorrow attached to it? Probably because you did it in the world's way. But when you do it in God's way, there's no sorrow attached to it. There's no toil attached to it. He's an abundant and he, abundant God an excess of God and he wants to increase you but not bring about sorrow in your life. Amen? Amen? So I want you to come. Abundance advances the kingdom of this God. I want to ask you this question. What are we here for? What is this church here for? Amen. Somebody's been reading the notes. And to advance the kingdom of God. Listen, here, it's to love God as he first loved us. This is why we're here. We're we're here to love on God. We're meeting here this morning to love on God. Now, that has everything that we do. Growing, winning souls, prayer, loving on people, living in abundance. Winning souls, making disciples for Jesus. All of that falls under the umbrella of us loving on God. and Let me show you how he loved on us and what some of his love is here in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what did his love do for us? It reached down to us when we were unworthy. And he said, I love you. Let me take you by the hand and let me pull you up and save you. I want you to know I don't care what you are facing today. Somebody's listening. I don't care what you're facing today. Here's the heartbeat of God. This is what makes God tick. I see you in a mess. All I want to do is reach to where you're at, grab you, and save you from that situation. That's the heartbeat of God. He loves you. Oh, man, he loves you. But then he says this in verse 17 too, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You know, this is the verse that a whole bunch of churches in our age need, needed to read uh, as soon as they read verse 16. They need to go on and read verse 17 because a whole lot of times people walked into church and were like, You don't belong here. You, you're not my kind. You know, you don't dress like me. You, you know, all this kind of stuff. You need to understand that He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, to damn it. He didn't come in to judge it, He came in to save it. That's right. That's His love. A lot of times church is like, nah, you know, you need to get yourself fixed and then God will meet you. No, God met us before we were fixed. God met us when we were at our worst. That's who he is. So the the love of God does this. It says, look, I don't care where you're at. Wherever you're at, I see you. I love you. And I want to take you by the hand and save you. That's the love of God. So if we're going to love on God, if we're going to love God the way that he loved us, then we're going to tap into the heartbeat of what he's after. You know, I've said this many times. If I love Nicole, then I'm going to find out what's important to her, and that's going to become important to me. Us loving on God is saying, God, what's important to you? And let me make that important to me. So let let me just ask you right here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life and he didn't send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. What's important to God? Saving every single one of us and saving every single one person that's outside these walls. That's what's important to God. And if we love God, if we love him back, if we're empowered to love him because he first loved us, then that love is going to say that, oh, that's important to you, Lord. That's important to me. Yeah. Amen. That's important to me. All right. So what does that mean? All right. What, what does that mean? It means winning souls to advance the kingdom of God. Well, I thought we were supposed to make disciples. Well, we are. But let's just look at that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8 and then we'll skip down to verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4. It talks about the ascension gifts. The ascension gifts. It says in verse 8, Therefore when he ascended on high, so who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. So when Jesus ascended on high, he led captive, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In other words, what he did is he took the captive people, he took a whole bunch of people up there on high with him. And when he did that, he also gave gifts to men. And then he goes on to describe those gifts in verse 11. So let's go down to verse 11. And he gave, here's the gifts, here's the gifts that he gave. It, they weren't necessarily wrapped up in a package with a bow on them. Sometimes they smell and look like man. But the gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are the gifts. And you you do need to see them as gifts because if you don't see them as gifts, then that's pride on your part, not humbling yourself to the word. It's, important I feel like meddling a little bit this today I don't know I just I've got this meddling thing going on in me I think it's the Holy Spirit I'm I'm discerning but he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers these are the gifts amen amen and if, they, if they're truly called by God... Now, let me just tell you something. Everybody that stands up in front of people and goes, Hey, I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm a pastor. Don't mean that God gave them. And, and I'll tell you, there's a few of those out there. We're not going to talk about how many, but there's a few out there. You'll know them by their gifting. You'll know them. A pastor, he shepherds. Amen. A teacher, it is amazing listen to what a teacher does he teaches it's amazing and he, and it, a teacher will get in here in the word and all of a sudden it's like that word just goes boom and you understand it you know and there's giftings that come so anyway we can talk about that but that's not the message they are a gift and you need and when you receive them as a gift you know uh, luke's at that age right now like I'm already praying about this birthday Right, like this birthday, because he's at that age where kids hit. Every one of them have hit it, and like at first, when they first open a present, they're like, ah, 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 and then they want to play with that present for like the rest of the time. There's, there's other presents come. You know, that's the way they are about two. And about two and a half, something shifts, and they're like, present, yay, boom, next present, where's it at, where's it at, give me the next present, we're like, dude, that one was your biggest one, I want another present, you know, and they're, they're like, um, tell tell aunt such and such, thank you, and, and they'll go, thank you, and, and they'll get into the present, uh, there's that, I don't know. We need to pray over that human nature right now because I feel, I can feel this fourth birthday coming like that. And um, if he doesn't tell y'all thank you, if you get him anything, I apologize in advance. But, you know, sometimes we're like that with gifts. We don't want to be like that with the gifts that God's given us. We want to esteem them. That means you receive them as such. That means you honor it. You say, hey, man, this is... Do you realize that Jesus, in order to do this, he had to go through the process of giving his life for you and then ascending on high himself so that he could give gifts to men? There was a big price paid to put people in your life. And I know that, look, I'm I'm a pastor. I'm a man. I know that I can mess up. You know, there may be a day when I don't call you and you really wanted to be called. Call me. Call me it's an amazing thing. You can it goes both ways. There's this new technology. See, I'm back in the meddling thing. Call me. Anyway, but see one day I might not call you and I was supposed to. Maybe even the Holy Spirit told me to and I just missed it. You know, I I can miss it. But that doesn't take away the fact that God gives gifts and we are supposed to honor our gifts in our life. I've had some pastors that I've really wasn't sure they were even pastors. Like, I've had pastors like that. I mean, I'm just being honest. But I still, I've learned that you honor where God has placed you. And you honor that gift. And you receive them as such. And when you do that, God will honor you for that, even if they are not very good. I hope that's not your testimony. But even if I am acting like that someday, as you honor that, he honors He honors you. But let's look at what these gifts do uh apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers verse twelve for the equipping of the saints for the work of service so here's here's a here's what the church is supposed to do through the pastors the teachers the evangelists apostles prophets here's what they're supposed to do take the saints and equip you equip you for what well, yeah, dang, if he's putting tools in my head, that means it's probably going to have to be used. Shocking, I know, it's crazy. This is crazy talk. But there's an equipping. And that let's see what that's for. For the equipping of the saints for, oh he told us what it was for, did you see this? For the work of service. For the work of ministry. In other words, that gift is there. Like last week, Evangelist Richard Moore was here. He had the same goal that I do. He just has different giftings to unwrap stuff and equip you in different ways. You see? I, it's a, but it's the same purpose, to equip you. And what, what are we equipping you for? For the work of ministry, for the work of service. You mean the pastor is not supposed to serve everybody personally himself? What? (laughs) For the work of service, and that work of service that takes place through your equipping, that takes place through the saints, it is for the building up of the body of Christ. The body is supposed to grow. The body is supposed to grow. But then it says, until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, so the body is supposed to grow up in some maturity. You don't have an excuse. You're going to have to mature. I'm sorry. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And it goes on to tell more, but I'm, I'm just going to stop there. In other words, the body is supposed to grow up till it looks like Jesus. Amen. Till it's doing the work of Jesus. Amen. Till it's praying with people and seeing the results of Jesus. Amen. It It's supposed to look like him. And Amen. me? Well, yeah, me, but you. Yeah. Every one of you. <laughs> Everybody. Well, I just got born again. I know there's hope for you. It's good. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I'm just coming back. That's okay. That's awesome. That's a great step. But this is where we're going. This is the end game. This is the end result. That every single one of us, including myself, get to the place where we start doing, looking, acting, smelling like Jesus. When people, uh, when people ha- see us coming, Whether they know us or not, we are bringing with us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. The sweet aroma. We're bringing about heavenly, a heavenly aroma on the earth. So when we advance the kingdom, here's the thing, you know, we're supposed to grow up. And we're the ones, all of us, are supposed to advance the kingdom. Matter of fact, if somebody goes in the hospital, you know, and, uh, you know, it is not the pastor's job to go serve them all the time. That's right, right. If, if somebody has a need and they need some meals cooked, I loved it when, when Paul and Jade, uh, they were at the house. Man, some people jumped on that and started to go and serve and bring meals. And right. Some of them were in the church, some of them were out of the church, but that's the way it's supposed to work. Sure supposed to work. You know, sometimes people get mad. They're like, well, the pastor didn't go do that. That's what you're here for. It's, we're one. Yeah, that's right. yeah. We're one. That's right. We're one. If it happens, it happens. doesn't matter who it happens through. It's handled by the body who's one in Christ, who's in that unity. Right. Amen? Amen? We're one. But here's the thing. Could we not, just think about this. Could we not get all of this done Maybe, could we not maybe grow up and be discipled better even in heaven? Couldn't we grow up and be discipled better in heaven? I'm setting you up, don't answer this. Couldn't we be better disciple don't you think that we can maybe go up to heaven sit down with jesus and he could probably explain this better than i do don't answer that either um but no (laughs) no he could i'm thinking paul could probably lay out some of what he was talking about and i bet since the time paul wrote that he's probably gotten some more revelation i don't know probably so in heaven don't you think we could grow up then why are we here Go back to the original question. What are we here for? Because the love of God saw a people that needed saving. And those people still need saving to this day. And we can't do that in heaven. Everything that we do, every act of service, every growing up, In the Lord, every move up to the things of God has everything to do with saving people eternally and saving people from the destruction of the devil. 1 John 3, 8 says this, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. There's still people that are falling under the destroying of the works of the devil, the destructive works of the devil. And Jesus was manifested to destroy that. As long as there's people on the earth, there's going to be the call to the people that know God to help save people, to be the hands and the feet of Christ. It all goes back, no matter how you cut it, to winning souls. We can say we're a discipleship church, but what are you a discipleship church for if you're not winning souls, if you're not saving people? That's the whole point. Winning souls is it. You boil it down. Why are we here? I mean, we could go up to heaven and learn more and become more mature. We've got to know how to win souls. Yeah. We've got to. That's how we advance the kingdom. Even when we get somebody healed, you know, we pray over somebody, be healed. That's simply a testimony of God's goodness. One, he loves the person. But two, he could take them up to heaven and they'd be healed instantly. So why not just do that? It's a testimony to say God is good and he's worthy of accepting. And if you'll accept him, he'll save you from whatever. Whatever you need saving from. We're here To bring about saving. The love of God, what did it do? It reached down and saved people. And when we love him back, we make what's important to him important to us. Our love does the same thing. By Empowered by the hand of Christ. Empowered by his authority. We reach down and we save them too. Matter of fact, this is not in your notes, but go... Uh, uh, I'll just tell you, 2 Corinthians 5 says, look, we have been reconciled. We have been made righteous and we've been given this word of reconciliation to tell people that you've been made right with God too. We've been made right and you can be made right too. That's our ministry. That's our work. What we read about in Ephesians 4, the work of the ministry, is defined in 2 Corinthians 5 that we bring about this saving knowledge to people and say, you can have this too. God's not mad at you. He's not, it says there, He's not holding the trespasses of the world against them. There's a lot of people it's like, God's mad at you. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. When the angels showed up to, straight from the throne room to announce Jesus was, was here, he said, with men with whom he's pleased. God said, look, I'm not going to be mad at him because I took all that wrath out on Christ. Right now, I just want to save you. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. Amen. So, Why are we here to love God? What does that mean? Loving God means winning souls to advance the kingdom of God. No matter how you cut it, we are here to advance the kingdom by winning souls. Now let me just uh, pause right there and ask you this question. Are we supposed to do good? I'm taking you on a journey, just stepping you through this. Are we supposed to do good? Yeah, according to God's idea of good, you know, there there are some things that our flesh calls good, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good to God. You know, John Bevere's talking about that a lot right now, and he's he's right on track. There's a lot like for instance, First Corinthians thirteen three says that we can uh even though we give our body to be burned or give all our possessions to the poor, but have not love it profits us nothing. In other words, given all our possessions to the poor, would, do we consider that good? Yeah. Do we, given ourselves to be burned up, I mean, given everything we have to God, is that good? Yeah, but we need to be moving at the leading of God. In other words, you can do all that stuff and still be outside of his love. In other words, there's a fleshly good and there's a godly good. And fleshly good can get you messed up quick if you hadn't heard from God to do it. But a godly good is always right. So are we supposed to be about God's good in this life? Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at that. Uh, Acts 10, 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with them. He went about doing good and he went about healing a few. That's not what it says, does it? He went about feeling a uh, healing all of them that God had put sickness on them. That's not what it says, does it? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That should show you where uh, sickness comes from. Who's bringing the oppression? And Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy it. But look what Jesus was doing. God called this healing, God called this anointing, this power that he was bringing, good. And he went about doing good. And we're supposed to be, remember, we're growing up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We're supposed to look like him, smell smell like him, act like him, talk like him, think like him. That's what we're here in church to do, to advance the kingdom of God. Well, if we're going to become like Jesus and look like him, we're going to be doing what he did. And what did he do? He went about doing Good. So yes, we're supposed to do good. But also look at Romans uh, chapter 2 and verse 4. Oops, flipped the wrong way. Romans 2, 4. It says this. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? Let me just ask you this question. Have we taken some of the goodness of God for granted? And have we thought lightly of it? In other words, he's asking this question like that's not a good thing. That's not a right thing. I think we should praise God for more stuff. You know, the fact that we have heat today. Last week, the fact that we had heat at the beginning and air conditioning at the end, it was snowing when we came in last week, and the air kicked on before we left. That's craziness. But that's North Carolina in the wintertime, I guess. But anyway, isn't it nice that we're not sitting here having to be all bundled up in our coats or, or you know just sweating like crazy? It's a blessing. We should be giving God some thanks. We should be esteeming what he's done, what he's already done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. See, a lot of times we're not praising God in advance because we don't really don't trust that he's up to good in our lives. And that just means we don't know him. We don't know his character. Last, last week, uh, Dr. Richard was talking about you know, people that say certain things and, and that were not good. And he was just saying, you're just telling me that you don't know God. When you understand that God is good, he's absolute good. There's no variation, no variableness, nor shadow of turning to his goodness. God is love, absolute love. You start to understand that whether I can see it or not, God is up to something good in my life. He's up to something good in your life right now. Well, I don't know how he's doing it. It doesn't matter. Do you know him? Do you know that he's good? And if you don't know that he's that good, hang around. I'm here to equip you with that knowledge so that you can grow up in him and look more like him and understand him and receive from him. That's what we're here for. Are we supposed to do good? And then it goes on here to say, Not knowing that the kindness of God in the King James, that word there is translated goodness of God, leads you to repentance. Goodness is a part of God's plan of evangelism, winning souls and bringing about change in people's lives and the world. God takes goodness and He says, This, look. When people start seeing how good I am, it brings repentance. Repentance is just change. When people see how good I am, change happens in their heart. Change happens in their mind. Well, doesn't that mean that we need to be about some good things and show in the world some of his goodness? But we need to do it at his leading. We don't just make up stuff and go out there. even things even things like one time we were asked to do a ministry because somebody had started a ministry and then that person kind of went away. That person had an anointing to do it. I don't know why they went away, but we were asked to step in and just do it, and it's something that God considers good. But it wasn't good for us at that time. We had no leading, no anointing. And had we done that, we'd have just been given ourselves to be burned, but outside of love, outside of his leading. So glad we didn't do that because we weren't called to do that. It was outside of what we were supposed to be doing. But we need to be going about doing the good that God does want us. He'll lead us to do. Like, for instance, the the outreach that we're having on April 8th. That's a good thing. Why? Because the Lord's tasked us with doing that. That's why we're believing for a thousand souls to be born, born again on that day. Because he's tasked us with having faith that that'll happen. He's tasked us with giving out of our abundance so that we'll have some stuff to give to them. To catch their attention so we can tell them about Christ. He's tasked us with giving of our time and effort to make sure that everything's handled so that we can lead these people to the one who's so good. You know, why are you receiving this stuff today? Because Jesus loves you. He told us to get the stuff and give it to you. That's right. Jesus loves you. He's good. God is so good. He loves you. He wants to save you. This is what we have to see is these things are tied together and God's told us to do that. This is why it's going to work. This is why uh, God's going to lead us down this path. But look, it doesn't happen if we don't take ownership of it and say, hey, i got to be about some goodness. Amen. i got to be about some goodness. All right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. Goodness is a part of God's plan of evangelism, winning souls and bringing about change in people's lives and change in the world. Goodness and good deeds bring about winning souls and kingdom advancement. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. Jesus was going about doing good. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says this. It says, and God is able... Praise God. He's able. Amen. Right now, I want you to get that. When you uh, hit something in this next week and you don't know how it's going to work, I want you to say this. God is able. God yeah, is able. say it again. God is able. God is able. Yeah, he's able. God is able. What's he able to do? God is able to make all grace. Some grace. A little bit of grace. All grace. All grace meets you. Abound. Abound. These are big words. And God doesn't just throw words around. He uses words like they're important. We're the ones who have missed that sometimes. But God, when he says something, he means it. All grace abound to who? You. Us. Abound to us. So that all ways... Sometimes? Always. Always. Having all sufficiency. And do you see how many absolutes are in here? In everything, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. God's will for you is abundance. Why? To bring about good. To be like Jesus. You know what this tells me about Jesus? Did did Jesus go about doing good deeds? Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus walk in abundance? Uh, yeah. Does that mean material abundance? Yes. We. I can actually prove that to you. A lot of people think he was poor all his life. That is not true. That is incorrect. They uh, I, he, he said something one time. He said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. And I would say the same if you think that he was poor. He was not. That's right. He was not. Yeah, yeah I, just one little point. He had a treasurer. Well, you don't need a treasurer if you ain't got nothing. Not only that, but the treasurer had his hand in the teal. How can he go all that long and there's so much in there that the guy's stealing out of it and nobody knew about it? Except Jesus, because he was talking to the Lord, they had stuff. That one day when they were going to feed uh, feed the five thousand, they said, "And remember, they said, how much is this little amount?' Do you know how much that little amount was that they just had on them out in the middle of the desert? It was it was enough to. Um, it was like uh, three quarters of a year's wage. So they had it was something like in today's dollars, like twenty thousand dollars or something. Oh, just had it in her pocket." Out in the desert. People think that he didn't, you know, anyway, we're not preaching that today. But he's in abundance. He's got abundance. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot more in there that proves that. He had an abundance. And here's the thing. God says that our good deeds, God's system, remember, we have to either be in the world system or God's system. But if you got your foot in both, it's not going to work. You're in the world system that way. You've got to jump into God's system. You see right here in this verse a part of God's system. God's system says that good deeds flow out of abundance. Good deeds flow out of abundance. If you're not operating in abundance, both spiritually and financially, are good deeds going to flow in God's system? No, you've got to have abundance. Wouldn't it be scandalous if the devil somehow taught the church that they should not be walking in abundance? Because, you know, that rascal, he knows this word honestly better than we have. And he knows that God's system is, if they get in abundance, good deeds will flow from that. If I can get them out of abundance, good deeds will stop flowing. They'll stop looking like Jesus, doing the deeds of Jesus. It'll stop being a testimony to the goodness of God. Men will not repent. They'll see God as hard. They'll see God. I'll teach them even that they should have nothing, and that's a good thing. I'll teach them that to be humble. They should have nothing, knowing that if they'll act, quote, humble and not have abundance, they'll never get to good deeds. Wouldn't that be scandalous if the devil had pulled that off? News flash. He made it happen. How much preaching have you heard along those lines? Every time you hear somebody talking about coming against somebody preaching about material things or abundance or a prosperity preacher, you're, you're, they're talking about the character and nature of God and they're coming against that word. you got to decide, am I going to stand up for what God says and humble myself to this? Am I going to stand up for it or not? Because when you stand up for who he is, he stands up for you. He stands up for you. All right. Everybody got quiet. God's system says good deeds flow out of our abundance. So, in Psalms 23, it says this: It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Why would he overflow that? Doesn't he know that it would make a mess? I mean, couldn't he have just put it half full? We'd have been all right. Well, he he could just fill it to the brim. He'll take care of me and mine. This is thinking in today's church today. Well, I'm good. All my needs are taken care of. All my fam- my family's good. Well, that's that's selfish. You mean you've got abundance through God available to you and by faith you can draw it in and all you're concerned about is you? I said I was moving on, but apparently I was still here. God wants to overflow in our lives. Are you convicted by this? I can feel the conviction on it. God wants to overflow. We've got to get this We've got to renew our minds to what God says and stop thinking that we know everything. We've got to get in this word and say, Lord, what do you say about abundance? See, if we're going through all this and you still think that, how many people does God want to save? All All of them. Everyone in the world. And how many people does God want to pour out abundance on? All All of them. Why? Why? Now, they might not walk in it, but he wants to pour it because he wants the good deeds to flow through his people so that the world will see he's a good God. But he's taught us to put on this false humility and and just, oh, yes, I don't want to ask too much or take too much. God's a too much God. You think you're going to exhaust him? Oh, my goodness. Let me, uh, we'll just leave that right there for a second. I'll come back. So, I just want to tell you, you know, last year there was a scandal. It was all over the news. I mean, it was on every station. Creflo Dollar wants to buy a $65 million airplane. And then it was accompanied with terms like this. What does he need a $65 million airplane for anyway? He's a preacher. I'm, I'm sorry. In other words... An ambassador of the greatest kingdom in the universe should not walk in abundance. How come it wasn't all over the news when Anheuser Bush bought that a jet like that? How? Uh, what? I mean, we're let's let's play fair here. And and see, here's the thing. Everybody assumes they know what he's up to because they put their own sin on everybody else. It ain't like that. I've spent some time receiving the word from him. I I can see his heart. Is he perfect? No, I'm not either. Are you? Because if you are, then pick up rocks. But if you're not, put them down. But here's the thing. I've seen the man's heart, but here's my thing. How big is your God? This is, I want us to see this. How big is your God? Amen. Is, I mean, is $65 million, is that available in the earth? Is that, yeah. Do you know how much $65 million is compared to the wealth that's in the earth? A drop in the bucket. A drop in the bucket. Do you have any idea what the earth holds in wealth? Any clue? Okay. I thought you, you might. It's a bunch. But just listen, our our uh, debt in the U.S. only is around $20 trillion, So that should show you at least the wealth of what they think that the U.S. is worth. This is $65 billion. A billion, $1,000 billion, $1,000 equals a trillion. So just compared to that debt, it's uh, very small. I'll we'll just put it like that clear terms now see right now how many people and just just be honest with me as soon as I started talking about a 65 million dollar jet your mind kind of went anybody honest enough to say that that's good it's good see here's the thing why why is it why is that breaking your thinking a little bit and you know what there was a time where it broke my thinking But here's the question. Just in the earth, let's just say that the earth's only worth $20 trillion, right? All right, how many planets are there in the universe? Because the Lord owns the whole thing. How much is your your God worth? Are you telling me that the choke point for your all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing God is 65 million? That's your choke point? Is he God or not? See, that's the thing. Again, go back to what Dr. Moore said last week. We haven't really known God. Let me tell you, there are in our galaxy, there are billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Billions. Well, every star represents a solar system. There's nine planets in our solar system. So that means there's at least billions of planets. Everyone has value and worth. They hold minerals. They hold a value. That's, that's just billion stars in the Milky Way. And there are billions of galaxies that we've found so far. God is not lacking. $65 million don't mean nothing to God doesn't mean a thing. See, so what the problem is is not the fact that a minister has a plane like that. The problem is we've got a small, limited, earthly, fleshly, worldly thinking about our eternal, supernatural, awesome God. That's the problem. That's why we got to get in this word, word and we got to find out who he is. He says, look, if you get in abundance, it'll lead to every good deed. God doesn't want us to just have half full or just be full to the brim. He wants us to that when we are given our abundance so much so that it overflows, it'll start to overflow on whoever we're around. It just blesses. It's the blessing. It rains on the just and the unjust. He doesn't want to just give. God is not uh, stupid. He's not stupid enough to just give to one person just what they need and have no interaction. The Word says in Galatians 3.8 that God beforehand preached the gospel, the good news to Abraham, saying, through you, he knows how to connect us, to network us. Through you, all the goodness, all the stuff, through you, all the nations will be blessed. He designed it so that it would overflow and all of us would be blessed by the overflow of all of us together. That's his plan. Can you see how we've been taught and even preached it to think contrary to God's system? And now can you see why if it's the abundance that leads to his goodness, can you see why the world is not seeing his goodness? It needs to see more goodness because the kingdom needs to be built up. But in order to do it in God's system, goodness comes out of abundance. Out of abundance. He wants to overflow you. Now I'm talking to you about this and you're, you know, I've been at the situation where I've heard people preaching like I'm preaching today and I'm like, dude, I just need $10 to eat lunch. I don't know what you're talking about. Here's the thing. That $10 is nothing to God. He's standing at the ready. Ready to meet you wherever you're at. Whether you've got nothing or you've got everything, He's going to meet you where you're at. He's going to meet you. And He wants to. If He wants to meet somebody who's already got stuff, He absolutely wants to reach down and save you where you're at. That's the great thing. Man, if he wants to bless somebody that's already got everything, how much more does he want to make sure that he pulls you up out of the pit that you're in? That's his love. So, abundance leads to good deeds. Good deeds leads to repentance and winning souls. And winning souls leads to God's love. So we've got to, if we want to love on God, we need to be winning souls. And if we want to be winning souls, we need to be doing good deeds. And if we need good deeds, we need to be and have, have abundance. We need it. We've got to have it. So how do we get it? How do we get abundance? How do we get abundance into our life? How do we move into abundant life? And I'll just... You can see this on your handouts. Uh, One, become an heir of His goodness. Two, we need to know that He wants it for us. Three, believe it enough to do something about it. Four, give and it shall be given. And five, hunger after God. Now, I'm going to show you this real quickly. But first of all is, if you want to walk in abundance... Maybe it's just for you at this. Maybe you're just thinking about yourself. God will meet you there. He'll help you change your thinking and show you that. But it's there for you and for others. If you want to, the first thing you have to do is you have to become an heir. You have have to be the one that when the will is read, your name is the inheritor. Amen. Amen. You have to become the inheritor. Stay with me. Stay with me. This is important right here. The first thing you've got to do to start moving and living in abundance is you've got to become an heir. In other words, you've got to be a part of the family. You've got to be a part of the family. You've got to know Christ. If, you're not, if you don't know Christ, then you've got no legal right to that. You've got to accept him. You've got to make him Lord. In other words, you've got to start letting him call the shots. It says, thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. In, Christ. In other words, it will go to triumph always, but we've got to allow him to lead us. That means we have to purposefully take him by the hand and say, show me where to walk. Yeah. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need that. Like, I ain't getting it, God. Please help me. Show me. Pull me. You know, pull me. Pull me. Shout loud, help me. And he will. All he needs out of you is a humble heart. One that says, I don't believe that he's talking about I'm dollars $10 for lunch. You know, that's not humble. That's not humble. Humble says, God's a good God. Tell me more about it. Show it to me in the word. This is important. Don't just talk to me. Show it to me. Okay. And then you take him by the hand. He'll lead you. He'll say, all right, to become an heir, we have to make him Lord and believe that God brought him back to life. All of a sudden, we become an heir. We're an inheritor. There was a will and a testament, and now your name is on it. You're a part of the family of all-powerful, almighty God. You have an inheritance. Did you know that? If you know God, you have an inheritance. And if you don't know God, you can be and have an inheritance today. You can be an heir Ephesians 1, 18 through 20 says this. Just listen to me. Just listen. We'll put it up there and you can go back and read it. But just listen to this. This is God talking to you, praying out over you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, may be opened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, his inheritance in the saints. God has an inheritance for you. And he's saying, I hope that your eyes get opened to just how much he's got for you. Just how much. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards you who believe? These are in accordance. This power, this inheritance, let me tell you what level it's on. Here's the level that your inheritance in Christ is. Here's the level that the power towards you is on. Here's the level. You ready for the level? Here's the level. These are in accordance with the working of his strength, the strength of his might. Not the strength of your might, the strength of his might. The strength of his might, which he brought about, his power that he brought about in Christ When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Here's the level of your inheritance. And here's the level of the power that's pointed in your direction. To save you, to heal you, to deliver you, to prosper you, to make you abundant. Here's the level. It was resurrection power that brought life back into the dead body of Christ and caused him to rise up out of that grave in a resurrection power. And here's the other side of the level. When he sat down in the place of authority, the throne room of God, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the level. That's your inheritance. And if you don't know him, or maybe you haven't been walking in relationship with him, it can be Your inheritance right now, today. Right now. Number one, to get into abundance, we have to become an heir first. We have to become a Christian, know Christ, accept him as Lord. Number two, we need to know that God wants us to have abundance. If you don't know that God wanted you to have abundance, then are you ever going to believe for it? No, you just walk through life. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So many people don't know that God wants them to have abundance. They walk through life and the devil's just beating the crap out of them. And then they're like mad at God because God didn't do something about it. No, he's already done something about it. You just didn't know. That's That's what I'm here for today. To tell you, to enlighten you. He wants you to have an abundance. You need to know what he thinks about you. That there's a level of his abundance and it's pretty doggone awesome. We need to know. 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray in all respects that you prosper and be in health just as your soul prosper. John 10, 10 in the Amplified, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and life what way? And may have it in abundance The Amplified shows what the original word really means. Here's the abundance. To the full till it overflows. That's the abundance. Do you see? There's a common thread all through the word. God is an abundant God. He's an excessive God. And He wants that for you. He wants to get it in your hands. He wants you to take hold of His inheritance and start to use it for what its purpose is for. To advance the kingdom. To let God move through you. For you to be a minister. So to move in abundance we got to become an heir. Two, we got to know that he wants it. But then three, we we can't just know about it and not do anything with it. We've got to believe on it. Believe enough that it moves us to action. We have to, okay Lord, I'm an heir. You want me to have an abundance. And now here's the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Faith reaches out and says, come here, abundance. You're mine, according to the Lord. He told me abundance in mine. Did y'all know? He told me abundance in mine. And by faith, we reach out and grab a hold of it. In other words, we do something about it. James 2.17, it says, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead. In other words, I can't just say, oh yeah, I believe I have an abundance, but then my life never shows any action of it. Did I really have faith? Did I really trust him? No, no. I got to do something. So uh, Romans 10:17 says, "So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. You've got to hear the word about abundance. In other words, that's exactly what you're doing today. You're sitting here, and as I'm preaching on this, something spiritual is happening. A spiritual transaction's taking place. I'm preaching the good news, the gospel. I'm preaching on how he wants you in abundance. And spiritually what's happening is faith from heaven is coming down through me, going straight into you. And faith right now is rising up in you. But if you weren't here or you weren't hearing that message, then you would not be receiving the faith to believe God. In other words, you would not be actually working your faith, and so your faith is dead if you're not taking the time out to put the Word in and listen and build your faith. If you never take the time to hear preaching and get in the Word and pray about it, are you ever going to walk in abundance? Not consistently. You being here plays out that part. You being here hearing this Word, that impartation is happening and that faith is rising up. Now that faith is on the ready and it's ready to reach out and grab hold of that abundance. The next thing is this, you have to give and it shall be given. This is also faith. And when it says this, you know this verse that we use, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it said that out of abundance comes every good deed. A couple of verses before that, it's talking about sowing, seed time and harvest. That's how it happens. So if I believe that God wants me in abundance, what does that mean? That means eventually I'm going to have to become a giver. Because God already put in his system, give, and it shall be given. If I don't become a giver, I'm not going to walk in abundance. Why? Because God's already determined how it works. If I've tried to do something outside of how God determines has determined that it's going to work. That's pride. I'm going to live in his abundance, but I'm not going to do it his way. Good luck with that, dude. It ain't going to work, but when you get done banging your head against the wall, come back over here and we'll talk about what the Word says. And when he says so here, he's not talking about the tithe. He's talking about over and above the tithe. The tithe is not yours to determine whether or not it's going to get sown. The tithe is his. The only thing that's determined whether or not it's going to get sown is over and above the tithe. That's when it becomes yours to make the decision about and you get to decide, am I going to plant this seed or not? So we have to become givers even over and above the tithe and that's when God gives us seed to sow and then he takes that seed, multiplies it, and it springs up into abundance. So number one, to become in a, be in abundance, we have to become an heir. We have to know that He wants it for us. We have to believe enough to do something about it. We have to give, and this is a huge one. We have to hunger after God. We have to. <coughs> Hebrews 11:6, let's turn there real quick. Hebrews 11:6. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible. Do we have to believe on him? And does our belief have to actually move over into action? If if it doesn't, we're not in faith. And if we're not in faith, are we pleasing God? Do we love him in not having faith? No. No. If we want to love Him, which is the whole purpose we're here, we got to start applying faith. Lord, I believe you. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you just needed something? You needed something. And, amen. And, man, that something and that problem was screaming a lot louder than your memory verses. (laughs) Anybody with me? See, it's at that moment that we got to say, you know what? God's word is true. And situation, you're a liar. You're a liar. God's going to come through for me. Hey, what we said earlier, God is able. God is able. See, I've got to turn on belief. I've got to make a decision. See, you ought to set it up in your mind that when the the situation starts yelling at you, you immediately have the switch in your brain where you go, "Oh, ah, situation! And in your brain it goes, hey God, right? And it starts looking at the Lord. Yeah. Ah, situation, switch! Hey Lord, you are able. Yeah. You're able. You love me. And no matter what that situation says, you said something greater. Yeah. No matter what that situation, you said something greater. Without faith is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is Amen. and that he is a rewarder Amen. of those that seek him. Amen. See, if we will hunger after God and seek him, he will be a rewarder in our lives. Here's part of the problem that we haven't been in abundance. We haven't been hungry for him. We have not been hungry for him. How many of us have been sitting at home and, you know, I don't really feel like reading my Bible right now. Lord, I just want to watch this TV program. You know, this weekend, I want want to watch the March Madness. I don't want to spend time with you. I want to do what I want to do. So we haven't been hungry for them. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness so they will be filled. Another translation says they shall be satisfied. Well, we know how God fills things. He doesn't just stop at the top. He overflows. So part of our abundance comes from hungering after God. Hungering after God. We've got a hunger for him. We've got a, we've got, and you know what? I, I am convinced. I'm convinced right now. I'm, I'm more hungry for God. I believe than I ever have been in my life. And I'm still convinced that I'm not hungry enough. You know why? Because I still got fleshly things in my mind that I've been given more attention to than Him things that have kept my attention and kept my thoughts more than him. I'm convinced I'm not hungry enough. I'm convinced that we are, have not been hungry enough. And, and why is that, you know? What, what's your favorite food? Stuffed cabbage. Stuffed cabbage. All right. Tell me, like a major food group, what's your vegetables, fish, Fish, okay, all right. So let's say, I know I was putting you on the spot. Let's say that Nicole and I come and we say, Sharon, we just want to bless you. We want to take you out to eat. We know you like fish. Let's go down to the local fish house. And we go down to the local fish house and we say, you just sit down. You just sit down and let us serve you. We go over here to the buffet and man we just load up on, on fish. I mean we got a big plate and it's like piled over, right? And then we come back here, you know, look, here you go. Don't eat that piece dropped off. There you go. And and we and she's got all this fish and she starts eating that fish. Um, 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 um and she wipes out that plate. Because she may be small, but I'm telling you, she can eat. All right, and then all of a sudden, uh, that's just a joke. All right, so then I, but she can't. <laughs> she, and so I said, you just sit right there. And I go back, and I go back to the buffet, and I fill it up with this. And I take it back, take it back, take it back. I was like, boom. And she goes, whoa. <laughs> I was doing good on the first. And eventually, she gets to the place. We, we keep doing that. Eventually, she gets to the place. She's like, I can't eat anymore. I'm done. I was like, did you like it? Yeah, I love fish. And then all of a sudden I go, wait, 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 wait. Let me come over here. This is special. This is fish. They flew in on a helicopter. Just They just called it this morning. This is the best. It's fresh, straight out of the ocean, prepared for you. See all y'all Y- y'all didn't eat all the plates she you had. Your mouse, wa- their mouse watering. Thanks, Sharon. So, anyway, um, so then I take that and, and I bring that and I set it in front of her. That, well, this is the best, the most fresh, the most tasty. But she can't eat it because she's done filled up with the other stuff. Mm-hmm. See, you've got to understand that the devil is going to put in front of you a buffet of stuff to take away your hunger from the best. He's going to put in front of you video games, movies, romance novels, Facebook, just so you won't put him in and you won't hunger. You know, a couple years ago, Jeremy Pearson's Uh, made a comment, he said, We keep we keep, you know, not hungering for God because we've filled up on something else. And because we're not hungering after God, there's no abundance. Because those that hunger and thirst shall be satisfied and filled. Jeremiah 29, that Dr. Rich was talking about last week, he said, look, he said, I know the plans I have for you. Good plans. And not for disaster, not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. But see, we don't connect with those plans when we keep eating the junk food of the world. When we keep hungering after the fleshly things, the worldly things, and we don't hunger after the truth and hunger after the one true God who is almighty, who wants to overflow you with his goodness. But we find every reason to hunger after that stuff instead of hungering after him. And the devil just presents us with all this stuff. See, as I say this, I know what's happening. I know that inside of you, you're going, I'm just not hungry enough. And and here's what will happen. Your flesh who's still under the curse, it'll say, yeah, you're not hungry enough, you old dirty sinner. Shame on you. It'll bring condemnation. But remember, God's the God who sees you where you're at. And as soon as you turn a humble heart towards Him, that verse goes on to say in Jeremiah, if you will seek me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be found by you. And I'll be found by you to bring you a future and a hope to bring about goodness and not calamity, not destruction. I will be found by you. And see, even if you're sitting in that, man, I hadn't been hungry for God in years. But you say, Lord, today, help me be hungry again. God will see you in that situation and he'll reach down and he'll pull you up and save you from that lack of hunger. He will help you. The word says, come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in your time of trouble. Your time of trouble, see, what I'm equating to you today is that a lot of your trouble comes back to not being hungry enough. And it's not just your trouble because if if your trouble is there, that means you're not in abundance. That means the people around you, they're not being helped either. And God says, if that's your trouble, I'm here to save you. Not bring condemnation, not not put damnation on you, not bring judgment, but I'm here to help. I'm here to help you. So... If we want to love God, then we love Him by making important what is important to Him. We save souls. We win souls and advance the kingdom. We advance the kingdom by doing good deeds, but we do good deeds out of having an abundance. And we have an abundance by hungering and giving. It's who we've got to become. And if we'll hunger and give, the abundance will come. The good deeds will flow. The kingdom will advance. And we will love God. But it starts back here with hunger and giving. And saying, God, help me to be that. Help me to be that. Isaiah 119 says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, you can be hungry out of obedience, and you can be you can give out of obedience. But is your heart there? Going back to Second Corinthians nine eight, uh, it it tells us there. It it says, as we get it, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. But if you backed up a couple of verses, you know, to verse six. It says, in verse 7, it says this, that you need to give out of a heart, a bountiful heart. Be a cheerful giver. Not just a giver, but you need to purpose in your heart. Not just be obedient, but get willing. Lord, today, I get willing to hunger after you. I get willing to be a giver. Now start all this by being an heir of yours. So I just want you to bow your head. Today, in being an heir, to join in the family of God, and maybe you've even been in the family of God, but you had not been walking out being a child of God like you've been supposed to. Today, you're sitting there going, step one, I need to become the rightful heir. I need to become an heir that qualifies. I need to become an heir of God, of Almighty God. I need to get my relationship right with Him. If that's you today, and today you need to get that relationship right again, or you need to get to know Him for the first time, just raise your hand just raise your hand I see that yes sir I see that yes sir if you need to get I see that yes ma'am if you need to get that relationship right and become an heir Jesus I need you I need you to save me I see that yes ma'am I need you to save me I see that yes ma'am anyone else yes sir anyone else one more time anyone else I need to be an heir Lord I need your saving whether it's the first time or I need it again I need that recommitment anyone else amen I see that I see that yes ma'am yes sir Amen amen I just ask you yes sir I see that I just ask you right now I'm just I'm gonna give another second if that's you just raise your hand if you raised it at all will you raise it right now and hold it for just a second so I can see it if you raised it at any point yes yes amen. Keep holding it up for just a second? Okay. Amen. Alright, you can put them down. And everybody can look up. Now uh, here's what I want. If you raised your hand just then, hey, I need to walk in that rightful air. I need to be that heir. Or, or you just see, I need to be a better giver. Lord, help me to be. Help me to purpose in my heart to be a better giver. Help me to be hungry for you. If you fall under any of that, and today, I'm not asking everybody to come up necessarily, I'm just saying today, you know the Holy Spirit's dealing with you on any one of those three things. I want you to come up here. Either you raised your hand, or you say, I need to get my heart right about giving, or I need to get my heart right about being hungry, or maybe all three. And you're believing God, the fourth thing, Lord, I need Your abundance flowing in my life. I need abundance. If that's You, come on up right now. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord. Thank You. Lord, we just thank You so much for Your goodness and Your graciousness. Lord, I thank You for everybody that raised their hand For all the people that are hungry. For everyone that's hungry and wants to purpose in their heart to be a better giver. Come on around here, guys. I'm going to pray for you and I'm just going to release that abundance in your life. Come on around here, Robert. There you go. And I just ask everybody in the room, pray this. And I'll tell you this, you get get serious with God, He'll get serious with you. You get serious with God, He'll get serious with you. So right now, in your heart, will you get serious with Him? And I ask you to pray this. First of all, let's get our relationship right. Let's be the heir that God's called us to be. Amen? Let's get our relationship where it needs to be. Maybe you had not been walking with Him like you need to, but today's the day. Today, things change. If you're saying that, saying today, Lord, things change in my relationship. If that's you, just raise your hand. Let people know I'm, things are changing today. Amen. 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 Today's a new day. Amen. Let's all just pray this. I'll let you take up the seriousness in your own heart, but I'll give you the words. You make them yours. Just say, Father, today is a new day for me. I see your love. And I, and I take hold of it. Today my life is changing. Today my life is changing. Jesus, Jesus. You, are my life. you are the Lord of my life. You are the director of my life. You, the my life. you, make, the choices, you make the choices and I'm willing and obedient to live them out. And I'm and to live them out. I, believe I believe that You took my sin on you. you my sin Took you, to the cross and death. took you to the cross and death. But the Father, but the Father in His goodness and love, brought you back to life. And raised you up. And raised me up with you. And that's why today, and that's why today my, life is my life is different. That's why today, that, that's why today I'm an inheritor of your great power, your great great love love. on that level. level. Lord, I receive you you. as Savior and Lord Jesus Jesus. today. Today. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Now just pray this. Just say, Father, Father, I ask you, help you. help me purpose in my heart to be more hungry for you. Help me see, it, help me see and it. it and grab a hold of it. Help me purpose in my heart, to be, heart. to be a giver, an abounding giver. And a giver. And a giver. Lord, help Lord, help me today to walk in abundance, to, in abundance, to, do, every to do every good deed and love on You, love by, on you by, advancing by advancing the kingdom and winning souls. And winning souls. Say, Father... I receive, it I receive it today, today. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.